Hey everyone, this is Reed. A real quick update before you listen to the show. During the episode, I mentioned that I was talking with Ben to get some clarifications before we started recording. I heard back from him after the show was finished, and I found out two things. One, player pricing changes will revert back to more closely what they were at the beginning of the season. Some small adjustments may be made where needed. But also, there's some confusion about the start date of the fall season. One source on the website says that it starts after round 21. But the other source on the website says that it starts after July 29th. I've talked with Ben, and he says the July 29th date is correct. So that means the spring season will end after round 22. Sorry for the confusion, but enjoy the episode. I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? (laughs) Hey, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to round 21 of the 2018 MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, our review of round 20 and preview of round 21. This episode is brought to you by Petkey Financial Planners. Why save your money when you could just drain that bank account? Uh, uh, no, 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 uh, no. Uh, actually brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the fantastic subreddit community of r slash fantasy MLS. I'm your host, Reed Connolly, from MLSFantasyBoss.com, and tonight I'm joined by co-hosts Mike Ditton and Blaine Riffle, and we'd also like to welcome our very special guest, Josh Lewis, a.k.a. Catnip Junkies, who is one of our top Patreon supporters, and he's here tonight as a special guest. So how are you guys doing, and welcome. Hey, hey. thanks for having me. New York is blue! Sorry, oh, my last God. week, so I had to save it in. You <laughs> <laughs> had to, to get it out. Um, yeah, Josh, thanks so much for, for being on the show tonight. Uh, we had a few little technical difficulties getting started, but we got the Google Hangout all set up, and, and we're going to rock and roll tonight. We're looking forward to having you uh, give your thoughts about the fantasy and, and also give you a chance to talk about the podcast and Patreon and just what you've got now. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, let's keep this excitement going, I hope, and let's talk about our round 20 teams, our scores and the reviews. Um, I enjoyed this round. There were some pretty interesting results, not all of them fantasy uh, advantageous, but uh, still some of the results were quite interesting. But let's talk about how we ended up with those scores. And, Mike, I'm going to let you go last because I know you have a, a pretty juicy Oh, uh, I do. Uh, uh, Josh, let's let you start out. Okay. Well, I did not do great last week. Uh, I, I did okay. I got 134 points, which for a double game week, I guess isn't bad. But I think that everybody who actually did okay was more in like the 150 range. Uh, you know, I last week I was around rank... 250 overall ish uh that's kind of where i've been floating around most of the season and this week i dropped all the way to 342 because of one player uh (laughs) i i was kind of half awake when i saw the new york city lineups come out on uh wednesday 
and I had been planning on a certain setup, and then I saw a lineup, and it had Tajori Shirati in it, which, as you know, was not the correct lineup because he didn't play. I popped him in my team and dropped Tenerholm, so I lost that 24 points of Tenerholm and had a zero from Tajori. So, yeah, if I had that, I'd probably be up there in the 150 range, and probably my you know, overall rank would have probably stayed around the same, but nope. Honest <laughs> mistake. Yeah. How'd you do? Yeah, this week was a uh, 153, and I missed the Houston lineup, so I had Elise stuck in my team for one point, but I was figuring up what I was going to do to replace that, and I had Nikolic on the bench as a potential sub option there. And yeah, I probably was going to drop him out and drop Martinez out to make sure I got my bench points and all that, which would have left Almiron in. So it was all kind of a wash. So my 153 was pretty much my score, regardless of what I had. Um, I grabbed Tinnerholm as kind of my last option type of guy when I saw that Chajuri Shroudy wasn't cup, wasn't going to play. And that worked out really well. So, I mean, I can't really complain. I mean, two ones and a two in my lineup and still 153 and moved all the way up to 470 overall. So not going to complain here. Uh, for myself, I got uh, 149. So I, I think you uh, you nailed it, Josh. The the score to go for to kind of float even um, – it was in that uh, 145-ish or one the high 140s and definitely the 150s to kind of in that break-even area, the high 150s and up into the 160s uh, is definitely yeah. where you started to see some rises. I even saw some scores in the 180s, depending on how you went. My adjustment came. I had a Via in my first team, and when he came in, I dropped Johnson, and I brought in Tinnerholm. So I, I got that, but I was juggling – bringing in another defender or bringing in Medea. And so probably would have been better going for some offense there. I, uh, I went with uh, Sanchez as the keeper at first, which we saw how that worked out for Chicago in the first round. <laughs> and then uh, one of those scenarios that was interesting to see, but didn't quite work out fantasy wise. I relied heavily on Atlanta to be my, my backup switching players, my switcheroo players and that 1-1 one, one draw did not do me any favors for those Atlanta guys. Uh, I got LGP to sub in for a big four points as one of my, my transfer ruse. Uh, Almiron did not, but I did have Titer and Piatti, so I got some good points there, as well as all my New York players did well. Uh, so I'm at 115 overall, which is a little bit higher. I think I was 127 last week, so I'm scraping back up there to, to try to crack that top 100 in this last round before everything resets for the fall. Uh, now, Mike, your tragedy? Yeah, so uh, I got 153 points overall, which uh, sounds good, except I should have had 166. And the reason I should have had 166 is if you remember from last week, I had a plan where if David Villa wasn't in the starting 11, I was going to swap somebody out. Uh, and so what I did is I swapped David Villa out to a forward scrub, and then I put a fourth New York City defender as the auto brew. Well, that fourth New York City was, defender was Tinnerholm. So, boom, 24 points. That's awesome. Yeah, he's coming in. It's going to be great. 
except that I had set my lineup, as you know, I was traveling on Monday, and so I just picked a four million uh, LAFC defender. I'm sure he's not going to play, and I never checked it. Uh-huh. But that player was Moutinho, uh, and so he played. So I did not get Tinner Holmes 24 points. I got to see it waste away on the bench because I swapped everything else out. I brought in Martinez instead of my sports scrub. Now, Moutinho did get 11 points. I can't be too mad at the dude. But, uh, yeah, I lost my head-to-head with older goalers specifically on that because I think he had 165 and I would have had 166. So, yeah. So instead of having, like, an amazing week, I had an okay week. And it's just Thanks. sad. Give it to fantasy. Take it away. Yeah, I mean, like, everything else was great. Like, I had Callens, I had Captain Morales, Piotti, Titer, you know, even Katai, Nikolic, Martinez, and BWP. I mean, the only dud I had in my starting 11 was uh, Kevin Ellis. I was one of the few who was bit by that bug, but uh, made up for it elsewhere on the field. But Yeah, yeah. uh, it's just a huge advantage having a bye team at the same time as a big double game week because it really goes a long way to make those – Work. Or if you're not lazy and actually check the lineups of your scrubs yeah. and make sure they don't actually play. <laughs> Which is something that someone who has a lineups news account should probably do, but no, if you let <laughs> someone else do it, no, no. <laughs> See, I went with uh, with Miller from Portland as my little defender scrub, so no no worries there. No, yeah. worries no points either. No points either. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about some of the game takeaways. Uh, just some of the notes that I have. Uh, New York City, no via. We, we knew that was kind of a, a potential for happening. Didn't have Mike last week to give us the, the big in-depth on there. But uh, Medina and Morales, they carried the days um, with uh, Medina being the, the better of the two in this situation. Um, those are the normal fantasy go-tos I think we'd expect from New York without via being there. And I think that's uh, just good news going forward to help rest him up for, for the rest of the season. Um I'll let Mike add more to that a little bit later. Uh, biggest news, though, I think of this round, DC United gets a home win and Rooney comes on 30 minutes plus or minus, and he gets an assist in that same time. So uh, that's awesome to see. I hope no one really went in heavy with uh, with investing in Rooney because not, not the highest points this round, but I think he's going to be a real asset to that team because they've got such a stacked midfield that Rooney is going to demand – attention from the defenders so you can look at players like Assad and Ariola and Stiver and Acosta being the benefits from that fantasy wise maybe that's annoying because that's going to be four players that are going to really have uh, points spread among them with of course Rooney getting his fair share as well and Maddox when he is on there at times when they may juggle some uh, but that's that's something to keep in mind going forward when DC has a large home run uh, these are some players that I think might be worth bringing in I'd probably say my top Man, it's hard to do a top, a top of this. I I go with maybe Stiber and Ariola maybe as my top two, um, but Acosta's right there, and Assad is a great player as we saw at Atlanta as well. Uh, we're, I got a note about Minnesota and RSL here, but we're going to talk about that and at the end we'll get a we'll get a good good uh, talk about that rant. Um, Orlando and Toronto. Not a big fancy takeaway here, but I just got to point out Orlando has broken its win its winless streak, and it was against Toronto. So it, it was pretty much no matter how this game ended up, someone was going to be just be sad, and it was going to continue a downward slope. Uh, don't expect some USL magic to come in here for Orlando though and have this late comeback season push. Just it's happened; they got past it. They'll maybe do okay. Not a big fancy target for either of these two teams. Uh, mentioned earlier, Atlanta, Seattle. 
did not come up with a scoreline like I think many of us hope when Atlanta is at home. Uh, this just continues a, a series of games to people that need to be aware of um, Atlanta doesn't do as well against teams that bunker. So if they're going up against those teams with a good bunker history, a good counterattacking team that likes to sit back and then go for that, uh, just expect that you might see some drop-off for Atlanta players and may not want to go as heavy in the coming rounds. Then finally, L.A. Portland. Um, besides L.A. Have, or LAFC Portland, besides uh, LAFC having some uh, stealth defenders coming in and grabbing a few points here or there, uh, Portland's got a tough defense. Uh, they've they're moving towards the unbeaten record. I think they've got twelve or thirteen now, with the record being fifteen or sixteen uh, consecutive games unbeaten. And on the road at home, they've had some tough defenders, and a lot of them are at some pretty good prices. So uh, keep an eye on Portland. You may be able to find some good value there moving forward with the defense on your fantasy side. Um, those are the breakdowns. Or just some of the fantasy takeaways, not really breakdowns that I have, guys. Uh, anything you want to add before we just I'll let you guys talk about that latest Becky rank? How about you, Josh? Uh, what would you, you like most about this last round? Um liked most uh that new york city played well and i had their players <laughs> but, uh one thing i i did notice from last week that uh is going to help me decide this week zlatan did not play last week because of quote travel and the turf they're away again this week at philly and i don't know if he's gonna play or not if he if he does play i may have him uh because philly's just bad but if he's not there, then, you know, Philly's probably a good pickup this week. He might be heading off to meet David Beckham to settle up on that bet. Yeah, I think so, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he might need to buy uh, Miami Councilman some dinners first before he buys Beckham. <laughs> uh, Mike Blaine, anything you want to add? Um, I'm going to add, um, we didn't talk about the Red Bulls uh, in your in your in in the rundown. Um I kind of have some question marks about uh, Chris Armas, um, his first two weeks. Uh, I mean, they got the win last week, and they didn't play poorly against New York City, but they didn't look like quite the same Red Bulls. I was expecting a lot more, uh, especially defensively, out of the Red Bulls. Um, I mean, Sporting Kansas City, they, they didn't have Shelton. They didn't have Beasler. They didn't have Opara. Um, I, I was expecting a lot more from out of that game and was frankly disappointed with them fantasy-wise. I mean, BWP got a goal, but I mean – you know, had some random scrub getting two outside the box uh, goals for the Red Bulls. So I'm a little curious. People have started to notice they're not playing quite the same way um, that they did under Jesse Marsh, which makes sense to me because I think Jesse Marsh was special in the way he was able to motivate and get that press working at such a high level. And Armas doesn't have that right now. So, uh, I mean, still the Red Bulls are clearly a good team without him. Um, but how good they are, I think, is a little bit of a question mark right now. It's definitely not the he's just going to pick up exactly where Jesse Marsh, um, you know, dropped off the way that uh, Dome has picked up where New York City has stopped, uh, dropped off from the era. Yeah, I yeah, think I'll... that's fair. They uh... go ahead, Blake. Oh, I was going to piggyback on that. I seeing the lineups before the game, I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. I wish I had some open roster spots for some New York attackers. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Wright Phillips gets that goal early on. I mean, that was a well-worked play between two young defenders. And then it just kind of all dried up for them. And you look at the way Kansas City played. They got their they got the tying goal. They went ahead in the second half. Look, 
looked pretty good, and then they bunkered and let New York come at them. And New York can break them, break down that bunker. That's what I think some teams haven't figured out yet. But Sporting kind of gave that game away to a degree. I mean, credit to Red Bulls for getting the job done, but Sporting completely changed their game plan and went towards more of a defensive set. Looked like possibly trying to protect those two young center backs that were out there. And New York exploited it, but New York didn't look like the better team there for a little bit, especially when they went down. And given the lineups and the way they were playing out, I was expecting something like a 4-1 game out of that one and them just to press it. So with them dropping off, that was a little shocking from a fantasy perspective. And I'm the one that thinks my team should be able to go out and get a clean sheet every week. Now I know I pick against them because i got to be honest. (laughs) But even in this game, I was like, you know – I'm the guy who thinks, oh, we'll keep this close, and I had no hope for that game. I mean, I was disappointed after the game that we dropped points, but you tell me that we were going to get a 3-2 scoreline before the game, I would have been happy with that. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that that's a real good point, Mike. They they still have that New York Red Bulls flavor, but maybe not the aftertaste. I don't know if that was, that was no percent there. I don't know if that worked or not. Uh, they, they're, they're still pressing. That's what I'm getting at. But it's not quite as aggressive, maybe not quite as high as as Marsh was able to get that motivation and that and that passion to go. So um yeah, no, that's a that's a very good point to to look at that going forward. You may see some some drop off in production with the Red Bulls fancy wise, but yeah, I want want to see or maybe this is just some just figuring it out or understanding the, the new coach. I don't know, but uh, no, that's really good to point that out. Yeah. And then I mean, Rita had one more. They may be changing some, you know, if you read kind of like tactical reports, like, well, this seems like a little bit different, but I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, so, Blaine, what were you saying? Oh, I was going to jump in on the DC and Rooney situation. I actually didn't get to watch that match. I've uh, seen a few highlights, but listening to the players talk from the DC sideline after the game, it was all high praise for Rooney, how much they enjoyed just his work rate and what he came in and did for the team. And as you know, I've been high on DC's offense most of the season. They do go out and get the job done. They create chances and they've been hard to shut out. Um, If that 30 minutes with Rooney has anything to prove, I think it's that we've got to be looking at the DC attack from now on, especially with the run of home games. I don't think they're going to get shut out very often this season. I think you can look for the goals. Um, I was going to say you liked Ariola and Stiber, and both of those guys have been good. I think Stiber's kind of the number two out of the midfield, but I think Assad's going to be the number one guy going forward here from the midfield standpoint. And then you've got Rooney as your forward and definitely somebody to keep on the radar as a possible forward add switcheroo with all the home games coming. That's tough. That's tough to pick. They've got a, they've got a good setup there. Uh, okay, so... Got some good reviews from there. Uh, some good fantasy things to take away. Pat, Mike Petke, man, never, never quits. <laughs> Stylish, <laughs> guru, uh, and just bringing it financial advice this time. Wow, did, I'm assuming you guys have at least watched the video from this. I've I've watched it several times. <laughs> uh, I I can't watch our channel. Too. I did oh watch man. It. I just oh, read the man. article about the sweaters. it. Sweaters, it's great. <laughs> I can't watch an RSL highlight in good conscience more than once. <laughs> but it's the coach. I mean, like, come on, it's not a really RSL highlight, you know. 
Oh uh, no, that was I mean that was some classic. That was some great stuff right there. I mean mm. he's got a point though. You know, there's no accountability for the referees. He talked about you can't go and ask the referees like why did you do that? I mean, why not? Why can't we figure out why a referee decided something one way or another? They can just explain themselves. You know, but MLS is guarding them. So do we? Yeah, uh, this was a bad week for VAR. I mean, Pecky, I, I'm not sure I agree with Pecky on the um, on the uh, PK call where he said, you know, Cantero put down uh, Glad. But I mean, this the um, I think it was was it against Silva um, by Schuler? Like, yeah, Schuler should have yeah. gotten a straight red. There, there's no doubt. I mean, that studs up into his upper ankle. Yeah, yeah no, there's no doubt. And I mean, I don't know where VAR was. Um, if you follow any Atlanta fan on Twitter, you know that that game was a disaster. There's like five different plays. Like instant replay this week was pretty much like half of it was Atlanta, Seattle. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, Pro desperately needs to get Mark Geiger back to operate some VAR because it's it's off. <laughs> well, you go to that, that too. <laughs> yeah, you go to that, and it's on the instant replay chat. Um, or comment section, and it's not the first time I've seen it this season. And it's Baldomero Toledo, and that he had the he had the uh, Seattle Atlanta game, and it's just a conversation between him and VAR. Hey, you need to look at this one. No, I think I'm good right now. I'm refing a soccer game, and it's just a back and forth of all the excuses. And this one ended up with, oh, that's what that TV's for. I thought that was for watching I Love Lucy reruns at halftime. <laughs> oh. Hey, there's nothing I, wrong with I Love Lucy. No, grew up on that. Yeah, but nothing wrong with that. Something else to do in Atlanta at halftime. Var, var, <laughs> var, what? But this is the third or fourth time I've seen a post like that about Toledo in in his use of VAR, and he seems to be one of those referees that refuses to go to the screen, even mm. when it's warranted and necessary. It's almost like he's actively refusing the calls and. It's one thing I wanted to highlight with this is I wish we knew how often VAR was calling down to the center official. Yeah. Uh, did Toledo get three or four calls in that game and only decided to go to it for one for the Ladero penalty? I mean, did he get buzzed four or five times and say, no, I'm sticking with my call. You're wrong. Or did VAR not buzz him? And we're not privy to that as fans. And I think that's information that would go a long way to the league and but it's throwing pro under the bus at that point too. So I don't fantasy point of view as well to to find out some of the some more in-depth refereeing stats to to see how that could impact. And like that's a good question because and that's where I think like fan confusion like cuz I'm under the impression that the referee does not have a decision in the VAR. Like if the VAR institutes a check regardless of, of the decision. Now, I, maybe that's not the way it's actually in practice. That was the impression I got at the, at the rundown. But that's where I think there's not a whole lot of communication. Whereas in the World Cup, I think we got more communication because all the broadcasters said, hey, we're aware that there's a check. We've got a, something on our screen that signals a check. And I think, you know, yeah. like Blaine said, something like that. You know, m more information to the fans is, is always good, um, especially in stadium where, there, you know, you have less information than you do at, at home, which is unfortunate. Um, yeah. More information like that, I think, would be just be much better. Yeah, to build yeah. off of that, though, I mean, the World Cup is definitely an anomaly where you have just so much, much media scrutiny and and just filling the time as well. But we're talking about 
like press conferences almost with referees afterwards. I don't recall seeing this happening with other sports, though. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. think this is unique. MLS is trying to protect people or do this or do that. I mean, there's no, there's no breakdowns with the football refs, and there's no breakdowns with with everything whenever the calls are made. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean. I don't watch much NBA anymore, but when I was still watching it a few years back, you get some controversial calls coming over. They go to the monitor and check on something, and the referees go to each sideline or pull the coaches in and say, this is what we saw. This is what we're doing. If you argue with this, you're tossed. And they lay it out. They give the calls. The commentators know exactly what's going on because they're sitting right in front of that booth and can listen to it. But even then, the commentators know the rules well enough to go, this is what they're seeing. If they make this call, they've seen this. If they don't make this call, they've seen that. Or they haven't seen enough, whatever it is. But they do that in basketball. Football, I don't feel like with- that's what's being asked, though. Like, I almost feel like with all this stuff and the animosity towards the referees, it's, it's pretty much like we want to go in and, and like, put them on the witness stand, kind of get some of Mike's area here, and, <laughs> and just, like – Break, treat them as a hostile witness and break them down and make them tell us everything. And just, uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like people I, just I don't know. Do- I think it should just be just a simple explanation of why they made a decision a certain way. I don't think they need to defend themselves. It's just, you know, the call's already made. It's over with. They just, you know, be nice to know why they decided it that way. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'll go back to basketball because I'm most familiar with the refereeing process there. Coaches are given a chance at most levels to grade the officials after the game on like a one, two, three system and a one's the best rating you can get. And they get to point out some calls on that grade sheet or that card or whatever it is that they fill out and go, this is what I didn't like. But the officials have every chance to respond to that too and say, no, I made this call because of, and they have some of that transparency. And I agree. I mean, it's, I don't care if the official's right or wrong. I just wish we had some thought process as to why Toledo's not running to the screen for four or five calls or why he doesn't see or why they didn't see Schuler's tackle as a red card. I mean, it would be nice just to get them that they say, oh, it didn't meet violent conduct. Okay, well, at least we know that that ref doesn't think that that's violent conduct. Maybe if he's got five or six of those in a season, he shouldn't be a ref for pro anymore because what's clearly violent conduct, he doesn't see. And I mean, and some of it you can fill in for like example, the Schuler red card, like clearly he didn't see it as as, as severe um, as it was. And the, whoever was VAR didn't think it was clear and obvious enough to overturn. But at least putting that down, I think would be nice. You know, I, I don't know if it maybe needs to be a more extensive pool system. Um, you know, and, and for, for some of them, you know, like the the Quintero one, does he see that as a foul at all? You know, I mean, because you could say the ref, didn't, I did not see a foul on the play, and there was a check and there was no clear and obvious error. You know, I think at least just putting that out there, at least to show, like, hey, this was checked, because I think things happen, get checked more often than we think they do. And we just think, oh, VAR didn't work because it didn't check it, when actually, no, it got checked. It's just the VAR didn't feel like it was clear and obvious, um, which I feel like in MLS, that standard waffles a lot, and somehow, sometimes as nitpicky as they get. Like, I mean, for the Atlanta game, I think the VAR just missed the Martinez headbutt. The VAR clearly just missed the pull down of, um, I don't remember who it was in the box. I mean, it was McC- McCann who got pulled down with a bear hug in the box. Um, 
And I think that would just be nice to say the VAR didn't notice it on the review, which is fine because, I mean, in, in set pieces, that happens. There's just so much pushing and pulling. Blame yeah. it on camera angles for all I care. I mean, that at least makes sense, and they can go through and correct it for next yeah. year and get the cameras readjusted because they're kind of going off of whatever cameras are set up, where they're set up, and they may not be optimal to get the best VAR angles for all of these plays. I could even live with just we're trying it out. We don't have the best angles for everything yet. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, I mean, you know, to Mike Pecky's point about transparency and more information, I, I don't have a problem with getting more information from refs as long as coaches are willing to give me more information about injuries. <laughs> so we can play this game and everyone divulge more information to me as a fan. I'm fine with it. Well, just put up, put up the list of what everybody wants. Well, I, I, I want questionable, doubtful if they trained every day. That's all, that's all I need, Mike. <laughs> Clearly not going to come to the decision today, but I think one thing is clear, and that uh, VAR may need to be assisted by PAR, the printer-assisted referees. So, <laughs> uh, Trey, get those copies. Let's get it up there. We'll look at the videos. We'll look at the paper, and, and we'll figure this thing out in the future. Just like, now, do screenshots and pass them out, Trey. Let's get some screenshots and pass them out. That's what we're going to do. Let's do it. Pass it out. Uh, let's move on to housekeeping. Got some... Interesting things coming on for round 21, the final round of the uh, spring season for the MLS Fantasy game this year, 2018, and uh, several things to point out. First, this round starts on Wednesday, July 18th at 8 o'clock with Minnesota versus New England. But as I said, this is the final game of the fall season. Uh, the or Sorry, the final game of the spring season. The fall season starts in round 22. So what does that mean for your fantasy team after this week? Well, it means that your budgets are going to reset from whatever $140, $200 million that you have back down to $100 million. Sorry, Mike, all that hard work you put into it at the beginning of the season, back to $100 million. $42 million, goodbye. It's um, gone. Bye -bye. Poof. Like that. Just like that. Spending um, money like I'm the federal government. <laughs> <laughs> if you just, you're using that pet key financial planning right there. Gone. Yep, there you go. <laughs> back to $100 million. Now, the one part I'm a little bit more vague on right now, so I'm sorry I can't give you as clear of, a, of an answer, is player prices. According to the rules for fantasy, what's going to happen is that uh, your team will clear its players, so you go back to no players. You get reset back to $100 million, which we just covered, and then player prices will be updated. Now, I believe that this means that we're going to go back to just the same system. We're not going to go back to the very beginning because I think that would be reset player prices. I think the the term pr player prices will be updated is it'll just update as normal. So I don't think player prices will change. So you'll still be focused on, am I going to spend 11 million on Graham Zussi? And that's going to be, oh my gosh, what am I going to have left? So um, <laughs> I don't think player prices are going to change. I've at reached out to try to get some clarification on this, but as of our recording, uh, not quite sure, but your budget is definitely going to reset back to $100 million. And that means for these next few rounds, you may need to focus on budget building again, but you've got a lot more info this time as to who to target going forward. Reed, I really appreciated that originalist legal analysis of the rules in the fantasy game. <laughs> Did you like it? I, I did. You know, anal analyzing reset in its particular meaning and definition, how oh, it's very Scalian. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. It, it might it might not work out for me, but uh, that's that was my. Yeah, I, I mean Ben is more of a, a liberal, so he may be more of a living document. So we'll have to see. 
<laughs> checking out the fantasy constitution. <laughs> that's, that's what's happening in round 21, the last round before everything resets. This is a double game week, and we've got a few buy teams, so a great time to try to not do what Mike did and mistakenly add a player who's going to play. Fortunately, a double game week teams, meh. We've got Minnesota and New England playing a double game week. Minnesota has a double home game, maybe good differential forward there. And uh, New England has a double away game right here. So might not be a week heavy on double game week team players, but I'll let these guys talk about that in our next segment. Uh, but there is more going on than just this double game week. We've got three teams in a bye, New York City FC, Sporting Kansas City, and San Jose. We also have the next round of the U.S. Open Cup starting on Wednesday the 18th with Philly versus Orlando. And don't forget, Orlando has a double game week in round 22 as well. Minnesota is playing New England. Uh, I think I might have gotten it mixed up. Uh, Houston is playing Sporting Kansas City. There we go. You're back on my uh, Minnesota's note <laughs> now. There we go. Philly, Orlando, Houston is playing Sporting Kansas City, but Houston also has a double game week in round 22, so those teams are going to be run ragged. Then we have LAFC playing Portland in the Open Cup and Chicago versus Louisville City, and uh, that's going to be that's the last USL team, and that's going to be an interesting time to see what Chicago's rotation is going to be. We already saw that happen in the second game during this past double game that we had. Then there's also the Canadian Cup starting on Wednesday. Ottawa is playing Toronto, and then Montreal is hosting Vancouver. So lots of double duty for a lot of these teams coming up for uh, the, the domestic competitions to balance with this MLS schedule that we have. And this time I usually give a Patreon plug, but since we have Josh here, we're going to let him give, uh, uh, give the plug this week. He's going to let us know. Um, why he's been a patron and just what he enjoys about about the show and whatever else you'd like to talk about, Josh. This is this is the floor to you. Okay. Uh, so first of all, thank you guys for making this podcast. Uh, it's been fun listening to. It. I've been listening to it since you guys started making it and started donating last year and all through this year. And to me, you know, I, I don't get to contribute with like articles or anything like that. So by donating, that's my way of contributing. Uh, it's, you know, it's my once a week kind of entertainment. And I play fantasy with my wife. So uh, I listen to the podcast and relay all the information to her. And I think this this episode she'll actually listen to because I want it. But <laughs> she better. Uh, but you know, it's it's kind of brought me into the community with the Reddit and uh, also MLSFantasyBoss.com. The chat room, Discord chat room is fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I like to hang out on there all the time. Uh, some of the guys would say that I'm somewhat of a lurker because I don't talk very much and I take all their tips. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, but it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. So that's why I donate and you know, for those of you listening, I think you can donate as little as a dollar a month. I mean, come on, it's a dollar a month. Just that's that's not much at all. So, yeah, please go out and donate. Yeah, and for that dollar, you get access to a lot of the special events that we've had. We've already had a, a hangout uh, once this this year, as we just did some general soccer chat and Star Wars chat. We had the special early access 
to a couple of interviews. We had uh, Skylar Redpath at the beginning of the season. We had the early access to our Star Wars fun episode. Uh, then we also have the other leagues that you get access to simply for a dollar. You get access to those those little bonuses for yeah. the higher tier. You can go all the way up to doing stuff like what Josh is doing right now, being with us on the show. But we also have scarves and mugs and stickers, not mugs, pint glasses, scarves and pint glasses and, and stickers and, and all this stuff. And um, it's, it's just how we try to get back to the community. And uh, so touched that people like Josh and his wife are, are listening and, and, uh, being fans and willing to contribute. So uh, thank you, Josh, uh, for continuing to help make this. Of course. Reed, Jay wouldn't let you live it down if you didn't say everybody who's a Patreon member get, gets Jay's eternal love and respect. He's <laughs> That's true. If you are a Patreon subscriber. If you want to find out more about how to uh, donate through Patreon to help support the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast and join this growing fantasy soccer community, Head over to patreon.com. That's P A T R E O N.com slash M L S F I. And now the injury news. All right. This is a long one. Um, there are so many um, disciplinary suspensions, and that's even before we get Disco, whenever Disco feels like releasing its report. All right. Um, recapping from last week, uh, Ellis from Chicago came off early, uh, no timetable for him. Uh, then let's get to the discipline. McCrary, red card for Seattle. Perry Kitchen for LA Galaxy, yellow card accumulation. Diego Chara for Portland, yellow card accumulation. Will be suspended next week. Uh, Godoy, he may be injured, but he also picked up a yellow card. And he'll get yellow card accumulation suspension. Um, uh, Silva from um, RSL, he got a yellow card accumulation. Sorry, I wrote that as R Ilva. Which was weird to me. Uh, uh, Lee Win for Elliot. What's that? Which Silva? Luis or Marcelo? They've got two. Um, Marcelo. Okay. Uh, Lee Win got a red card. Um, Ashley Coyle got a red card. Connor from Chicago, who replaced Ellis, also got a red card. Uh, let's get to some injuries before we get to New England. Uh, Medina landed funny on his back. He was seen with an ice pack. I suspect he'll be fine by the end of the 11 days, but we'll see. Um, Tajuri Sharadi had a hamstring injury and missed all, all week. Uh, I suspect he'll be back uh, by the end of the 11 days, but not sure. Uh, Burgett and Villa should be back by that point, for what we know. I uh, wanted to point out jo- uh, Josie Altidore made the 18 for TFC, so his return uh, will be imminent. Uh, Reed already talked about the Canadian and U.S. Open Cup. Uh, let's get to New England's injuries. They have three people out uh, for Wednesday. Uh, Saicedo, Dalamea, and Pania. Saicedo uh, uh, and Dalamea have yellow card accumulation suspensions, and Pania has a red card suspension. I don't think any of those are going to carry over into the second half of the double game week, but be aware of that. Uh, Joseph Martinez is looking at a disco suspension for a headbutt. If you watch instant replay, you've seen that. Um, I think that's something to be aware of. If there was a, if there was a VAR check, it's a excuse me a higher bar. But I don't know if there was a VAR check, so we'll watch it and see. Uh, Alashi for San Jose uh, came off early. They claimed he had a groin injury, and it looked like he had a groin injury before the first half. But then he was pulled off at the start of the second half and kind of got in an argument with Starry. Uh, we haven't talked about that much. So it didn't look like he was hurt from that, but maybe he's injured, maybe he's not. Quite frankly, I think if he believed that he was injured after watching that, I have a – 
uh, oceanfront property in Arizona to sell you, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Jaws Barnes signed with the Colorado Rapids. Great news. Bad news. He left early after their match with Houston. Uh, looked like an ankle injury uh, from what I could tell. Kyrie Shelton's got a two to three month uh, absence ahead of him uh, after having surgery. So he'll be out for a while. Uh, Ilsenio left early from the Union's match against the Colorado, uh, I mean, the Chicago Fire. Um, no, no word on a timetable for that yet. So that's all that I saw, um, unless y'all saw something else. Um, Felipe Gutierrez made about a 10, 15 minute appearance at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So they said he was giving, doing full training and practice before that game. And so he has made an appearance. So he could be back in the starting lineup by their next full game or next league game. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see if he plays in the open cup, but I mean, with the bye week, he'll, he'll probably come in the ne- that next week. All right. Thank you so much for those uh, breakdowns. Not breakdowns. I've done that twice now. I want to get into that flow. Thank you, Mike, so much for that injury news. Uh, and now we're going to talk about our round 21 breakdowns. There it is right now. Uh, double game week. So, as always, starting out with our double game week team previews. Josh, we're going to let you go with this one. Minnesota is uh, kicking us off. They are versus New England, and then they are versus LAFC. So they're top of the of the week and the bottom of the week. Okay, so for double game weeks, I always load up on those players no matter how bad they are. We all know that Minnesota is very bad, but I think I'm still going to load up on them this week. It being the, the last week of the season, it's kind of a go big or go home type of situation, at least for me. Some of the people in the top 10, you know, may not feel quite the same. But to be honest, Minnesota, the last couple games at home has actually been okay. You know, that they were scored on a lot, but they also scored a lot. Uh, So for this game, New England, uh, I think that Minnesota is probably going to win this one 3-2. New England's got a couple defensive players that it will be out and even with Pania out which you know he may or may not uh come in I watched the LA game but I was I was uh not in the right mindset to know exactly what was going on but I I didn't think that Pania deserved the red card uh so I could see him coming back um but they have Fagundes who has been on fire lately the past few games so we all know Minnesota's defense is bad. Uh, you know, I, I'm looking at Ibsen, maybe. Uh, he should be a floor player, but he doesn't really lately have much of a floor. Uh, Ibarra has been goal and assist reliant, but he, I think maybe this week he's going to be okay. Quintero is really where, you know, the points are going to come from. He's just got a hat trick a couple weeks ago, and, you know, I, I think he's good. Uh, with Minnesota playing the first and the last game of the week, it's hard to do any transfer type of options. But I think with Shuttleworth, I'm going to try to do a uh, keeper And uh, if he doesn't do good in the first game, I'll probably pick up somebody in a later game. You know, their, their second game is against LAFC, and LAFC is just so good. Uh, I know they didn't do super good last week, but they're still a really good team. So I'm not expecting Minnesota to play very well against them. 
so if 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 Minnesota does not do good in their first game, then I'm going to drop Shuttleworth out and put in somebody else, maybe uh, Atanella or somebody like that. And oh, and Calvo's another good pick because of bonus points. He probably won't get the clean sheets, but he's got a decent bonus point option. All right, nice. Thank you much for that breakdown. Uh, Blaine, New England, they're at Minnesota, so right there, what Josh is telling us, and then they travel out to the Red Bulls. Yeah, I usually, um, with Josh on this, you want to load up, get several double game week players from each team. I mean, this week's probably not the week to go eight deep, definitely not the week to go eight deep. Um, I think he's right. You could probably go four deep on Minnesota. Um, I I can't recommend going more than two deep with New England right now. Uh, the way they're playing with the potential absences that they have. I mean, two guys are for sure out one game. If Pania's red card gets overturned, which is 50-50 on that one, I just I don't I don't like it. I think you have to avoid the defense altogether. Um, the way Minnesota's playing, they should be able to put up goals at home. And then even with our concerns about Red Bulls uh, going on the road, on the short turnaround for that one's just going to be bad. Um, I expect them to get shelled. They're not, I don't think they get a win in either game. Uh, they're going to give up probably multiple goals in each game. That said, um, I think you've got a couple of bright spots here to go 180, and that's uh, Fagundes and Bunbury. Um, Zahibo has been rotated a little bit lately and splitting time, I think, with Kellen Rowe or Scott Caldwell. And so I could see a lot more a lot of rotation with this squad. And really, Fagundes and Bunbury are the only two guys I trust to at least start both games. Bunbury may come off early in one of those. But those are the two options I would look at. If I was going to pick one of the two, it's definitely Fagundes. I just think the consistency and the bonus points from midfielders goes a lot farther. Whereas Bunbury, when he's not scoring goals, is usually getting his two to three points. And even over two games, I think you've got better single game week options out there for that five, six points if he doesn't get his goals. And I'm not sure he's going to get the goals with Pania out in the first game. And then that Red Bull defense, I still like him. I just don't know if he's going to find his scoring for him. And even if he gets the one goal, I think you might have some better single game week options out there instead of Bunbury. Oh, Bunbury's a midfielder. I keep forgetting that. Yeah, um, you've definitely got better single game week midfield options for Bunbury. So somebody that if you want to get load up, grab him. If not, um, I'm probably just going Fagundes on this one. So it seems like a pretty solid, maybe four, four, maybe five <coughs> week player. So, uh, thanks guys. That's a, those are good targets. I think to look at for this double game week round, uh, but now we've got some single game week teams as well. Uh, I think we will find a good mix this week. Mike, this is going to be a pretty good game. I, I hope, uh, Atlanta, DC. Yeah. Uh, We'll have to see if Joseph Martinez plays. Obviously, I feel a lot less confident with Atlanta um, without Joseph Martinez. Um, I mean, he's him and Almiron are pretty much the conduit for that team. And, you know, if, if one of them is missing, they, they seem to be kind of lost without them. Um, so that would be a pretty big loss. Uh, I know we talked about D.C. Uh, I think the D.C. is kind of like their new stadium, which is it's, you know, it's brand new. It's got... Uh, you know, Wayne Rooney, everyone's super excited, but when you get down to it, it's really just falling apart and held together by duct tape. 
Um, I don't care that you beat Vancouver in your first game at your new stadium. Um, your defense is still garbage. And if, if Atlanta's at full strength, they'll trash them. So I think this is a good single-game week team to look at. Um, Almiron, you know, and Martinez, if they play. Um, if Joseph Martinez isn't there, then I would look somewhere else. But, I mean, this could easily be 2 to 3 nothing. Uh, I'm, I don't really care about you added Wayne Rooney. Sorry. <laughs> hey, that's okay. Uh, Josh, Seattle and Vancouver. So this one, only person I'm looking at, only player I'm looking at from this is Ladero. Uh, Vancouver plays the Canadian Championship, and they have not been great lately. So I, I could see Seattle getting a clean sheet, possibly. Uh, so if you think so, then I, you know, Fry is a good option for maybe Keeperu. And I heard that Marshall possibly might have an injury. So uh, watch that. And the Mercury red card. So uh, you just have to look at the lineups and see who's actually going to play to decide. But for me, I'm just going with Ladero on this one. Uh, I think it could be like a 1-0 game. Though I know the whole Cascadia thing, uh, they like to get heated. And Felipe likes to get into fights so i could see possibly a red card if that happens you know maybe a 2-0 3-0 game we'll see yeah the canadian cup i think is going to be the big x factor because that's that's domestic hardware versus that cascadia history there so that i think right that lineup will be crucial to see what happens all right blaine more canadian teams but chicago versus toronto this time so on paper, this game just kind of has me salivating with the way Toronto's been playing and they have a midweek game. Chicago looks solid with Nikolic starting to get his goal-scoring form back. Katai is probably the best player on this team. And then Schweinsteiger, with wherever he plays, has been doing really well for him. But Chicago, I just had to look it up. They're playing, they almost play to the level of who they're playing against every single game. I think 18 of their 21 games this season have been uh, decided by one goal or less, which is crazy. Um, They don't get blown out, but they don't blow people out. I don't think they've won any game by multiple goals. So that tells me this one's going to be close, even with Toronto having the midweek game. I'm going to go ahead and say it's a 2-2 draw on this one. Um, I, I really wish Chicago would put it all together and start picking off some of these teams that they should really destroy, but they just don't seem to have that killer instinct. Um, as far as players go, I think Katai is going to be your number one option here. And I think Nikolic is going to find some space to work with as shaky as this defense has been, especially with them going on the road. Um, for Toronto, I don't know where their goals are going to come from, but I do see them finding goals this week. I mean, it could be Osorio, Giovinco could be there. If Josie starts by chance, um, I could see this actually going 3-2 in Toronto's favor or a 2-1 game. I think he's going to change the dynamic of that team whenever he comes back. So watch for that. If you see him come back, I would pr- I would come close to abandoning all potential Chicago players on my team. And I don't know that that makes me any more in favor of Toronto players on the road. But that's kind of my feeling going into this one. Oh, interesting. Okay, Josh, back to you. 
uh, Philly versus LA Galaxy. Now, I know LA's your badge on fantasy. Is LA your team? They are, yeah. I live live outside of LA, so I go to Galaxy games a lot. And, yeah, this game kind of worries me because, well, Philly, I know I noticed that their standings, they're kind of right around the bubble uh, for playoffs. So I know that uh, they're going to start looking to get more goals at home because lately, you know, their attack's been bad. But uh, last few games, I noticed that Burke has been scoring a lot. And Galaxy's defense is really bad. You know, I, I love Galaxy, but they're just so bad this year and last year. Uh, Zlatan has really helped, but that doesn't help the defense at all. <laughs> so uh, I could easily see this game being like a 3-2 to Philadelphia. Even though Philly plays in the Open Cup, um, I I kind of feel like maybe they're going to go go for a less uh, smaller roster for the Open Cup. You know, they're, they're going to try a little harder play against Galaxy, I think, because it's a home game. And with Zlatan not playing last week, like I said, he, I have no idea if he's going to play this week or not. And, you know, they're not going to let us know until lineup comes out. So I think if he does play, it could be a, a decent game, maybe still high scoring, like a 4-3 or something. But if he doesn't, the only player from L.A. I would want is Alessandrini. And if, if, he does, if Zlatan doesn't play, then... Philadelphia. I mean, like I said, Burke has been scoring. Uh, Bedoya. I know last week, Galaxy playing against New England. I watched Fagundes just run right between defenders, like they didn't even know he was there. It was it was so sad. So you know, Bedoya late runs into the box. The, those kind of players that uh, I would be looking at. Hey, Mike Columbus versus Orlando. This is going to be an interesting one because of Orlando's situation. Um, like we said, they have Open Cup midweek. Uh, they have to go on the road, and they have to, to to Philadelphia, and then they have to go on the road from there to Columbus. Now they have got Yoshi Otun back. They have a brand new coach. They did look pretty good against Toronto, but that's a tough schedule. Plus, they have a double game week next week, um, which is pretty difficult as well home to new york city which is kind of a rivalry game for them and then they have to go on the road to the la galaxy so there's a lot it's a, it's a big ask for orlando coming up so i think there's a great big great potential for columbus here um obviously their main t- fantasy targets are jossie zardes and frederico higuain um watching them this past saturday i thought they played well they just didn't quite hook up Uh, They probably should have had a goal, um, if not for Sean Johnson. But clearly their wing play has been suffering. Pedro Santos has not um, met expectations. Neither is Hanson. So they went out and brought, you know, bought probably the best forward in soccer history, Patrick Mullins. Um, So we'll we'll see if he he gets some some play on the wing. Um, I kind of think he's only a sub for, for them. But regardless, Columbus at home, I know they've struggled, but they're even with Yoshi Utun getting back and providing more offensive power, they're still going to struggle defensively. And I think that um, getting them on a tired rate road, I think Columbus is going to be some great uh, options single game week. So um, really no one outside of Higuain and Zardes this week with a double game week going on, but um, definitely something to look at. I- I'm thinking this is probably like a 
2-1 victory for Columbus. All right, Blaine, Houston, Dallas. Yeah, um, I thought Dallas was going to kind of fall apart after or after Diaz left, but they've they've been surprisingly solid since then. I think maybe the team's a little more focused, and Houston's just kind of been up and down on this one lately. I just don't know what to expect from them all the time. Uh, they've got the midweek match against Sporting Kansas City at home, so no travel for this one. But that's a big kind of old school rivalry match from the Eastern Conference days. Um, they, I see Houston giving it 100% in the midweek match, really going all out. If that goes the full 120 like it could, um, definitely start looking at some of your Dallas guys like Lamar or maybe a defender on that one. Um, this this game kind of hinges on what happens in that midweek game. If Houston or LA kind of, or Houston or SKC kind of cruise through that game, take a multi-goal lead and it doesn't turn into that big battle that we see, we could see it be. Um, I've got a lot. I've, I kind of like Houston this weekend. I mean, um, Elise or Minotes are your two big guys up front. Uh, Martinez in the midfield. Uh, Senderos, if you want to see a defender score a goal, I don't know what Dallas is doing defending set pieces, but, Cinderos looks like he's always threatening on those set pieces, so he's always worth a shot. Uh, yeah, just uh, hard to predict this one, not knowing what's going to happen on Wednesday night in the Open Cup game, but I expect Houston to go all out in this one, so I'm going to say it's going to be probably a 1-1 draw on the weekend, maybe 2-1 to Dallas on the road because Houston has to give so much in the midweek game. And then uh, Lamar. Uh, Elise Minotes and possibly Martinez are my guys that I'm looking at from this one. All right, Josh, got a curveball for you. RSL versus Colorado. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, to me, this isn't a, much of a curveball. Colorado's bad. I don't like them at all. Never really have. They, they're just a bad team. And I, I really think that RSL is going to – just stomp them this week, you know. Mike Pecky with his rants and everything, it's going to light a fire under the team. And uh, I think I think this could be easily a three-zero game. Uh, Rusnak is always great at home. Plata scored two goals in like twenty-four minutes last week or something like that. Uh, if he plays, he's a good option. Uh, you know, they have plenty of attack going forward. So. Uh, all those guys are great. Also, their defense, like I said, I could easily see them getting a clean sheet this week. Glad is he's a great, great defender, so I'll probably have him on my team. Uh, Colorado, don't even think about grabbing any of them. <laughs> All right, and Mike, wrap us up. Portland versus Montreal. This is a hard one to predict. Um, two game, Two teams who played midweek. Um, I'm expecting kind of tough matches. Montreal plays Vancouver. Portland plays LAFC. Um, Portland is also going to be without Diego Chara, who's been a real linchpin. Uh, if you listen to x Radio, uh, they think of him as the best defensive midfielder uh, in MLS. Whereas, I, well, I'll go to bat for Alex Ring on that one. It, there's no doubt that Diego Chara has been a huge part of their success and a huge part of their unbeaten run. I don't think that unbeaten run comes to an end, but I can see this as kind of being an ugly game between tired teams. After all, Montreal played last week, and Montreal did well. So, I mean, I would kind of hold this in the back and maybe wait for a lineup and, you know, 
make sure that Valeri plays depending on what happens midweek. But, you know, I could see Valeri having a lot of success at home against a tired Montreal team, especially since they'll be going to turf. So, you know, Armenteros has also been very good for them. Uh, has, has scored a lot of goals recently. So I think there's some potential for Portland in this match, but I don't know how much I would commit to it because, you know, they've put, they're playing midweek games and they're playing tough midweek games. So um, no one from Montreal, uh, obviously on the road against Portland, even with Chara, that's a tough ask. But I, I kind of feel like this is going to be like a 1-1 ugly snooze fest, you know, just because everyone's going to be exhausted. All right, guys, as we go to the player picks, uh, keepers, Josh. Uh, like I said before, I got Shuttleworth with probably Atanella's keeper. Blame. I've got the same Shuttleworth into Atanella. I have um, Shuttleworth going into Robles. Defense, Blame. Um, I've got uh, Calvo, Parkhurst, and Mabiala on this one. Mike. I've got Parkhurst, Lawrence in the starting, and Farrell and Calvo um, in the bench for Otto Roos. Okay, Josh. Okay, I have Calvo, Mabiala starting, and I have Farrell on the bench waiting for whoever I decide to replace him with if he doesn't do good. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, midfield, we had a question come in on Twitter from Mark57544449. Nice name. Um, <laughs> maybe a burner account. Who knows? Doesn't want to get mentioned on our podcast. But Mark uh, says he is uh, been in that 500 mark, the top 500, and he's trying to just crack into, I guess, a little bit higher than that. And uh, wants some boom or bust midfielders to help him do that. So, is that something you guys are having this week, Mike? Um, I don't know about boom or bust, but I mean, I think there's plenty of good midfielders if you think about who we've talked about. I mean, Almiron, Ladero, Higuain, Kaku, um, Rusnak at home, Valeri. So, I think you've got a lot, a lot of, um, you know, from the single game weeks. But if you're probably making a difference like boom or bust, just go all in on the double game week. I mean, we've talked about, yeah. oh, you don't know about, you know, New England. Minnesota's a bad team. I think people are going to underestimate it. Just go eight New England and Minnesota players. Like, go for it. You know, have fun. <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably your best differential yeah, boom I, or bust tactic this week. Yeah. Uh, Blaine or Josh, would I add anything to that? Yeah, that was, I agree. Yeah, I was going to. I was going to follow that up. Bunbury was I kind of wavered on him. I'm like, he gives you a two or a three in a game, and then he could go off for two or three goals this week in the double game week. Definitely looking there. I mean, Kaku's his average is coming up. He's always he's always there. I think he's one of those that might be a little under the radar this week. Did he I mean, leave got, the game early last week? Options for Kaku, did he leave with an injury last week? Uh, if he didn't know what he told me. I honestly don't remember. <laughs> I know he left in like the 65th minute or something, yeah. and that's when Ratzkowski came in and scored goals. But I don't know if it was an injury-related thing. I didn't hear anything about injury either, so. Yeah, I don't remember whether it was injury-related. I didn't. We'll put Tim on it so we can find him out. All right, guys. Boomer Bust, thank you for that. Uh, but who are you actually looking at, Mike? 
Um, let's see. I have uh, Ibsen, Fagundes, and Almiron in the starting uh, bit, and I have Bunbury on the bench for Anato Roo. Gosh. Uh, I have Fagundes, Ladero, Almiron, and Rusnak on the field, and Ibarra on the bench. Blaine. Yeah, I've got uh, Fagundes, Almiron, Valeri, and Ladero on the field. Hey, and forwards, Josh. I have Quintero, Vela, and Martinez if he plays. I might switch it to Aguidelo, though. Okay, blank. Um, I've got Quintero on the field and Armenteros on the bench, and I've currently got it as Vialba on the bench. Faith Disco is going to come through and hit Martinez with the suspension that he rightly deserves. So I am going that way. But if for whatever reason Martinez does play, he will be coming into my lineup. And Mike, uh, I have Quintero, uh, Martinez, and Zardes. Um, if Martinez gets discoed, I might put Burke in. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, Burke's looked good. He's definitely beaten out Sapong. Um, that's the second cross country trip for the LA Galaxy um, in two weeks, so, so, so might might be something there. And then they won't have Ashley Cole, although they did better without Ashley Cole. So. Yeah, I was gonna say Cole doesn't <laughs> help the defense at all. <laughs> but it's not like anything's gonna help that defense. So. <laughs> that's true. All right, Captain Blaine. Um, Lily picks Quintero this week. Wow. I let right. her choose and. She heard me talking about him a couple weeks ago, and he got that hat trick, so she just recognized the name and went for it. (laughs) Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Uh, I I have Quintero, too, um, and I do want to mention, uh, I saw someone, I don't remember who put out the argument, that uh, Quintero has vastly exceeded its expected goals the past few weeks, I think when he ever got his hat trick, which is true, but I did go on and look at American Soccer Analysis to see and it looks like his expected goals at least before this weekend was 4.4 um, where he's had six goals so that's not too terrible production and I think with two home games even if he has exceeded and he can't depend on that kind of production from his past few weeks I still think he's a pretty good shout for two weeks at home two games at home Josh yeah I also have Quintero All right, and finally clean sheet picks Mike um, I think Atlanta, New York Red Bulls. Um, I think that's probably about it. I don't know if I would trust anyone else. Okay. Maybe no. maybe Minnesota against New England. Honestly, oh, okay. <laughs> Without uh, I have Seattle, Portland, and maybe RSL. All right, Blaine. Um, got Atlanta, RSL, Portland. And I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Now, thank you guys so much for yeah, those and game breakdowns. Uh, I hope that everyone finds those as helpful as Josh has for uh, the time he's been listening to us. Let's move on to housekeeping. The MLS Fantasy Insider hosts head-to-head Invitational League, uh, as we sort of hinted at earlier on. An uh, older goaler overcame Mike in a very close game, uh, tragically, I guess, for Mike. And our friend Ivan from over at Fantasy Football 24-7 uh, beat Kyle. Uh, and Kyle is uh, 
I forgot to mention last week, and he called me out on, on Twitter. He was like, hey, that's me, man. Yeah, he uh, writes the XG articles over at uh, MLS Fantasy Boss, so he had a pretty close game with Ivan, very close games with these finals. And so we've set up a final game between Older Goaler and Ivan, so that's that's going to be a really big one. You were in pretty did – you, did you make the playoffs, Josh, in this league? I did. You know, I – yeah, I kind of focused solely on that league the whole season. <laughs> I didn't really go for highest points, you know, the overall, and it kind of came back to bit me. I did not know that it was a playoff league. So I was just thinking, oh, I'm around first or second pretty much the whole time. I thought I was doing good. And then all of a sudden, playoffs, and I my first game was against Ivan, and he knocked me out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I lost to a heartbreaker to, to Mike, so, I mean, it's – yeah. You never know if we're having a good playoff. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, the head-to-head's been really fun this yeah. season. Uh, time back into round 22, starting our new uh, fall season. I I don't think we'll need to recreate these head-to-heads. I think it just starts over again within the league you already have created. But that's another little bit of a gray spot that I wasn't quite able to have to flush out before recording. That's all that we have for the show tonight. Again, thanks, everyone, for, for listening. And, of course, thanks, Josh, for, for coming out and, and having fun with us live tonight to, to record. And hope your wife gets a chance to listen to you. You can have her fast-forward to the parts that you know she, she might not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it was fun, though. Thank you. Yeah, Rory, had some plugs. So if you've got anything you want to want to plug, uh, feel free to mention it now. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, just, I just want to thank my wife, of course, but other than that, I would definitely say for those of you listening, if you don't already go to the discord chat room, mlsfantasyboss.com. It's so great. There's so such good information. Most of the chat regulars on there are, you know, somewhere in the top 50 at least, and some in the top 10, uh, they have really good information. Yep. Uh, bit nomad and, uh, black and red. Yeah. uh, been up there really high. I think Black and Red's a former overall winner as well, two or three years ago. So yeah, mentioned that a lot last season on on Twitter because we just really got the chat going last year. Um, but it's been upgraded this year to Discord server, so you can get it on the phone on the website. I prefer to go to the websites so and see those stuff. But yeah, uh, the chat's been uh, fun and it's free. Everyone just head over there. Blaine. Um. Nothing from me this week. I go on vacation, so I'm hoping that's the break I need to turn it around and get the second half of the season going for all of my articles and get on a regular schedule to get those out for you all. So bear with me one more week. My wife and I leave here in the next couple of days. We're getting ready for that, and then I'll be back ready to go. Fun times. Mike? Um, nothing, Nothing much. I mean, I have the new Catholic Nerd podcast. Um, I have Infinity War out. I'll be doing Incredibles um, soon. So um, MLS injury news, MLS lineup news, at Max A. Tiger, all that fun stuff. <laughs> and, of course, you can check out everything I have over at MLSFantasyBoss.com. There'll be the uh, form and ELO charts that are coming out uh, tonight or tomorrow before games get started. Uh, Captain's picks, head over to the Reddit forum to to talk about uh, anything fantasy and post articles and, and, and rate my teams over there. And of course, like Josh was saying, hit up the chat at MLSFantasyBoss.com for uh, any other questions you might want to have right before the game starts. Get live feedback. And finally, don't forget to check out the tips over at MLSsoccer.com that Skylar Redpath and I both write 
uh, before pretty much every every round to help give you those little final tips and suggestions that you may need to help flush your team out. That being said, good luck. <laughs>